Welcome back to Two Homers and a Realist. It is the mid-season, middle of the season, midweek pod. We're going to be talking about what the Sooners have accomplished and what they have in front of them. Very exciting times. I'm Steve. Lucas. Jay. Connor is remote. He's on location. He is scouting out. We are not resting. He is out there reviewing the next six games on the schedule. And he's also looking forward to what's going to happen in the championship game and then the playoffs, which look like they're just basically inevitable at this point. If you listen to ESPN, who has us at 71% likely to get there, which I don't believe that number, um, it would, and the most likely team to get there, it would seem like it's, it's kind of rat poison right there. I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. I don't, I don't want us to get the big head and think that it's automatic by any means because even though OU will be probably a double-digit favorite and in some cases greater than 20-point favorite in several of the remaining games, they definitely could slip up and get beaten by probably anybody on the schedule. Most likely won't, but anything can happen right now if we don't take care of business. I think these guys may have the, like the 2000 team mentality where they remembered how bad it was the year before, which obviously the, two, the 99 team was better than the 22 team. Um, and you could feel it growing then. And by the end of last season, you really could, other than the bowl game against Florida State, there really wasn't a whole lot of hope outside the program. Um, and so they just may not know how good they are, kind of like the 2000 team, because that team blew out, you know, Texas 63-14. Then they won a nail-biter kind of against Kansas State. Then 14 nothing down against Nebraska before we came back and won that game. And then – Almost lost to A&M. I mean, there was a bunch of close games. Almost lost to Oklahoma State. After the huge, a horrible yeah. Oklahoma State team. Yeah, you got to have, uh, who was it, Derek Strait knocked the pass down on yep. the very end of the game. From so Sam Mays? Hopefully we don't have, no, it wasn't Sam Mays. Who, who was the kite in? Um, Sam Mays was the lineman. Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. Oh. It wasn't a tight end. It was a, re- it was a receiver. No, nope, yeah, it, it was a, a big end. tight end. It was a big was? tight end. Yeah. I can't think he of his name. He was giant compared to Yeah, he Derek. was. Um, anyway. But. So that team knew that they were good after the Texas game, but still remembered what the season was like before and that anything could happen. So I feel like this team may have that same mentality where, yeah, we're, we've got a little cockiness to us because we haven't lost yet, but they, it doesn't have to look too far back to remember the feelings of last season. Yeah, I think rat poison only works if you were really good the season before and you've con- continued it on to this year and, you just don't see how you could possibly lose a game. But, yeah, last year was so painful for everybody associated with the OU football program that I don't see these guys getting too big of a head going into any game. I yeah. think you're right. I, I, I feel like they've got a good head on their shoulders and they're coached really well to prevent that. What I do think we need to do, this is my outlook for the entirety of the rest of the season, is put teams away quickly, take care of business, and allow our players to get lots of rest and also allow the underclassmen to get in and get some experience. Agreed. So all of those things work to your advantage, obviously. And that's going to say start fast, continue to finish strong for the first half, put yourself in a position where at your luxury you can play who you want to play, how you want to play. It'd be really great if we could see Jackson Arnold play quite a bit of the second half in in a lot of the games going forward. And I'm not going to be conceited to think he can be there in every game. But then again, we might be ahead enough that he could be there in every game. 
this Big 12 schedule is, in a lot of ways, pretty weak. So I would like to see us not lollygag around, um, and hopefully we progressed far enough we're not trying to experiment and learn things. We're just trying to experiment to implement things and see success with new looks and new formations and then get off the field and, and let some other guys in on the game. Yeah, I think you can add um, Kip Lewis and McKenzie at linebacker to that same philosophy. Um, yeah, definitely. I, You know, you do not want to lose a Stutson or a Canick in a fourth quarter of a game that they just don't need to be in there. Yeah. Um, more Peyton Bowen, obviously. Uh, Gentry, you know, hopefully he stays healthy, but he has been kind of banged up in and out of the whole season. And we need Vickers to get in there. We need. Um, What's the story on Kanai Walker? I don't know. I don't know what happened with him. Because I don't. I, I don't even know he made the trip. Did he? He didn't suit up. He didn't suit up. Yeah. Um, more PJ, obviously. Uh, we had a we had a bunch of players that could use some time because mm-hmm. six games is still a lot of games left. There's going to be a lot more people banged up. That. I don't think PJ is too far away from being a starter. No, I, I think mean, you're right. That that guy, um, man, for what little bit he has been on the field, when he gets on the field, he makes an impact. And so it's like Bowen. We're past the point of redshirting some of these guys. You know, Bowen's not redshirting. Uh, PJ's not redshirting. I mean, Kip's uh, not. Kip's Darby. I mean, we got we got a bunch of dudes that, in this day and age, really redshirting is not going to be too much of a thing because you can transfer all over the place and play immediately so some of these kids might look at it as like oh they're going to redshirt me but here in two years if i'm not getting to play a bunch i'm gone so yeah i think not just nfl you know in the old days it was yeah. well we're not going to redshirt this guy because he's a three-year guy anyway well now you also have to factor in that they can just transfer and go play somewhere else easily and you you don't want to not use as much of them as you can yeah i think you're right <clears throat> and you want to i don't want to act like you want to mislead a guy, but you actually want to test them out and see if they're a guy that you can build a future with. And then you can say credibly, hey, we're looking for opportunities to get you in. You're developing your building. It's not like he's just sitting on the bench and is a practice player. He's seen valuable playing time, and he can believe, yeah, they're trying to work me in and trying to make sure that I'm a guy for the future. And the way recruiting is going, I mean, if if a guy plays three years and goes to the NFL – Hopefully you've started building up your your stock full of guys that then it's not that big of a deal that you lost a really good player. Either most most time you're not going to lose really good players to transfers at a school like Oklahoma, but um, if you do have some three and out NFL guys, you recruited so well that it's just replenishing. Yeah, but your depth can get hurt, especially in certain positions. If you have a position group and you get a guy that leaves early for the NFL and at the same time. You have someone else who you feels miss on a guy. you miss on a guy, yeah. and then another guy decides he's going to go play somewhere else. All of a sudden, your really deep position is really thin. So kind of like quarterback last point. year. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. So Connor had a question and he had some thoughts that he dialed in from afar with. Let me ask uh, the group. I'm going to read his answer to his, this question first. Are you at all concerned with the classic hangover effect after such an emotional win in Dallas? I'm going to jump right in and say I think we'll win the bye week. I don't think we're going to get beat. I think we'll cover the spread. He says, my first inclination is that, yes, I am worried about being let down, but only because I feel like we are so damn good that a loss in the regular season at this point would be a huge disappointment after the performance against Texas. 
I don't think we'll take our foot off the gas though at all. And he's confident that Brent Venables will have the team ready when UCF comes to town. What do you guys think? Let down risk? <clears throat> no, I don't think so. Even if it wasn't a bye week, I think we've proven that after Texas week, we've played really well for a long time. I mean, and I don't think it was just Bob Stoops, <coughs> but the Stoops era was ridiculous after the Texas game. Um, I don't remember the exact stat, but it was like a 15-year run of never losing the week after Texas. I think it's one of those deals where the game is virtually the same week every season and so it's just been ingrained and taught and preached to not have a hangover from the texas game whereas if you're a team like oh let's just say louisville who just got done beating up a notre dame now you have to worry because mm-hmm. they're just they're not ready for it's that. just a game that they don't have every year at the same time like yeah. are you ready for the week after mm-hmm. a victory like that. But Texas, we know there's a game right after Texas. And I feel like it's just constantly preached and yeah. ingrained into the program that... I'm not worried about it. <clears throat> I, I think it, it's been really refreshing in the last couple of decades that for the most part, we haven't really seen that hangover effect. I don't really know if it's all, all that relevant to this team today since everything's different. But coaching staff and everything else. But honestly, the hangover effect... I think that what you're really seeing with that is sometimes teams just aren't that good and they they come out of the Texas game, which is an emotional game where you can kind of play over your head and then you come back to reality. And when I think of games that we lost after the Texas game, like Iowa State in 89, which was a very painful, ridiculous loss, um, that was because that team wasn't very good. And other years, maybe there's a letdown only because you're so sky high and you've done so well but you still won the game handily. There just aren't many opportunities for a true hangover effect, except if you're just actually not that good a team, and you're looking at one of your four losses on the season happen to be right after Texas, then it's kind of arbitrary picking that out as a hangover. I think it's just you weren't that good of a team that year. And this defense gave up 527 yards or whatever it was to Texas. Um, So you know BV's in there in the film room pointing out all these flaws of, the seam route, you know, you got beat on this three times because you double covered this guy and didn't cover this guy in the backfield, or you didn't cover this tight end, or all these all these little things that, yeah, we're happy that our defense, we feel like, played pretty well. Yeah, contrary to Texas fans and Texas media, we didn't play that great. Yeah, we gave up a touchdown on the punt block, so really Texas only scored 23 points on us, but... Um, in any given year, we would essentially just say, yeah, we'll give up 23 to Texas. That's that's fine. That should be enough to win. It should be enough to win. But you know the coaches are in there pointing out every little play is a mistake and same offensively. Like, oh, you, you missed Tywee Walker on this three-yard route that would have been a touchdown and instead it's a field goal. Or, you know, we missed a 45-yard field goal if we would have thrown the ball here on this play. It would have been a first down and kept the drive alive. All those kind of things are going to get pointed out that's going to keep them level-headed, I think, and not think, oh, we're the greatest thing since sliced bread. I think you're right. So I want to talk about looking forward and making a lot of assumptions that we're in the championship game, and let's assume it is a game against Texas. Two of us picked OU Texas. Connor and I did. Um, You picked J, OU, and Kansas State. 
and you picked Kansas, uh, Kansas State and Texas, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Um, so I think all of us would put OU as very likely to make the championship game at this point. Assuming we're there and assuming we're playing Texas, let's talk about that rematch. I'm going to talk about, or I'm going to read Connor's thoughts on the Texas game first as it's a good transition there. He says, we beat Texas while leaving a ton on the field. We could have won that game by two scores. Point being, we didn't play our best and we still beat an elite team. The ascension that we keep referring to is such a factor for this team and that we have not, and it's something we haven't seen in recent years. He's pumped to have a week off to rest after Texas, but equally as excited to see our guys continue this run in the coming weeks. Um, so I would say that I agree that we did leave a lot on the field. My concern is that Texas did too. I think that Texas left a lot of points on the, on the field. They, um, they got into a position where we were struggling to stop them. We had to go to a goal line stand. And you would rather not have them have the ball on the one-yard line, and that was an epic stand, but it, it doesn't exactly express dominance that you let them get that close. They had as many, like 527 yards against us. There was a period there after we're up two scores, we're up 10 points, and we just can't move the ball effectively on them. We go for it on a fourth down, which I think was the right decision, the wrong execution at midfield after the Ewers fumble, and that was an opportunity to kind of put the game away, but we don't do it. They stop us. And they go on. I'm watching, in the, in watching the game again on replay, and I'm looking at the score going, damn, we're late in this game, and they only have 17 points. They're about to get to 30. And sure enough, there they go. And they get there. They tie the game and then obviously go down and kick a, a go-ahead field goal. So I think that, there's a lot to be concerned with, I hope, and I know the coaches will be pointing this out. I hope the players, it sinks in for them. I think, and Jay, you're going to talk about this, I think, too. Texas feels like they left a lot on the field, and they feel like they can win this game. Yeah, um, gosh. For me, I think it's hard to beat the same team twice in a season. Um, I don't know if the <clears throat> statistics bear that out whatsoever. But if you had told me before the season started um, that you could go 50-50 split with Texas, you each win one game, I would say lose in Dallas. We did. We talked about that on, and a, win on and a pod. Yeah. And win in the Big 12 Championship. Yeah. And uh, maybe I'm just trying not to ride too high. You know, I think I'm just nervous about a rematch, which rightfully so. Um, You're definitely talking about rematching your toughest opponent by yeah. far. At least and I seen. think what I dislike about it is maybe it's the, the fact that it looks like it's most likely going to be Texas. And I don't want to give them the satisfaction of doing what they seldom do, and that is beat us and get a Big 12 championship. Well, and it would be the opposite of what we did to them in 2018. Yes. In a, in a pretty similar fashion, where they came down at the end of that game and won that game with a, with a field goal, but right at the end of the game, last seconds of the game, and then we came in and, and handled them in the Big 12 And I'm title. a huge believer in uh, revenge, revenge games. And if I had my choice, I think I would rather try to avenge a loss versus defend someone off who feels slighted. But as we talked about earlier today, 
as we were walking back from dinner, all the all the aspects that we could think of of teams in the past that played the same team twice in a season for us, we want every one of those games. Yeah, like I said, <laughs> statistics don't bear it. We come up with six and zero, oh. six and zero, oh, but we lost two of those the first match. Two of them. Two of them. The, we lost Texas at eighteen. What was the other one? Nebraska in seventy-eight. But so there was no Big Twelve championship at that. No, point. that was in the Orange Bowl. Yeah. So, um, which is still, which is crazy to think about. And a couple nowadays. of those were weak teams. Big, the the same conference playing each other in a bowl game after the fact. It's not it's well, crazy. But, but Florida State, Florida did it right, and um, so it in LSU, Alabama, um, Georgia, and Alabama. But those are Georgia, those are playoff. They didn't put them. They didn't pit them in bowl games right. uh, just, against each other in, in the same conference. The only caveat to this whole topic is everything on social media from the majority of Texas fans or their media and even a whole bunch of national media still feels like Texas is a better team, should have won that game. I fully expect if there is a rematch that Texas is favored in that game. So all of that actually leads Sounds right to back me. to... OU just being disrespected again. Yeah, going into a game that when they show the stat from Austin Arlington and from Norman Arlington, who's going to be driving further? Because <laughs> we always get this stat for the OU Texas game. That's true. Who's closer in Arlington at Jerry World? They probably are. They probably are. So if you look back at those other games, um, when we played Kansas State, that's in 2000. We were probably playing for sure the second best team in the conference, but that was a really strong conference. We missed playing the second-best team, though, several times when we didn't play Texas because it was north-south divisions. When we were playing Iowa State and TCU in a 10-team round-robin, then we rematch in the championship. Those teams were not – they might have been the second-best team in the conference, but those weren't real tough teams. Missouri so We beat might. them twice. Missouri, now, Missouri was. Missouri yeah. was. Missouri was. And that was a deeper conference then. So some of those games where we beat a team twice, we weren't beating that good of a team. Some of the times we were beating a hell of a good team, one of the best teams in the nation. For what sure. happened? Did K-State beat Nebraska in that 2000 year? Is that how they got in from the north? Uh, I guess it would have had to be. Because had to be, We yeah. gave Kansas State a loss and yeah. Nebraska a loss. Well, yeah. I guess they could have. Nebraska could have lost to, oh, did they lose to Colorado that year? Yes, that's and right. That's why Kansas State got in. That's how they got in, yeah. That might have been it. I think that's right. Um, and that was a tough the big the 2000 Big 12 championship. I was there at Arrowhead. Yeah, that was tough. That was a very tough game. Come down to Hypo pitching it to Quentin Griffin on a fourth and two to seal the deal. Yet again, another parallel this season and that great season. So it'll be tough. I don't know. I'm I'm I think that Texas is probably slightly favored at that point, and that's probably good for us. I I would want that to be the case. Agreed. Um, it's going to be tough to not be favored though. If you're, we might be number one by then. It won't be too tough for us to be number one by then. Even if Georgia's undefeated, they may look at our resume and how we're winning, and we get the nod. Or we're going to be really close. We'll be maybe two um, if we win everything to that point. So it'll be hard to not be favored. Um, but it'd be great to not be favored because the disrespect factor for that week of preparation would be wonderful. And we get an extra day because we – extra day and a half because we play at 11 a.m. on Friday – uh, after Thanksgiving against TCU. So let's let's look at more of the regular season there, and, and I'm going to ask this question. What is the number of total wins for OU 
that would be disappointing. And let's look at it including postseason. So as we sit here in January and look back at the season, however it ends up, all the way through the end of college football, how many losses or how many wins could OU have that would be a disappointing number at this point? Well, I think if your losses, two losses at this point, would be disappointing if we lost a regular season game and then win the Big 12 title and either make the playoffs or play in a really good bowl game and lose either one of those would be disappointing. But I don't know that don't this know. is a playoff team. So, it, I mean, it's all circumstantial <laughs> to that point because, I mean, say, say we lose to Kansas for some reason and then we still end up rematching Texas in the Big 12 title. We win that and it gets us into the playoff and we roll up against an undefeated Michigan or Ohio State that just somehow rolled their way through the conference. And then we're number four, they're number one, and we lose to them in a close game. It'd be hard to be super disappointed with how last year went to turn around and be a playoff team the next year. Yeah, I, I agree. I think nine wins would be almost ridiculous, obviously uh, disappointing, any way you cut it. Ten wins are probably not all in all disappointing unless you've just really missed out on an opportunity right in front of you. If you let two slip away that should have been yours, that would be disappointing. But otherwise, 10 wins is, is a pretty damn good year. 11 for sure is a good year, almost no matter how it breaks. And as you go up from there, it just gets better, would yeah. be my opinion. Yeah, preseason, you know, I was a 9-3 and three guy. And I think at this point, now that you're 6-0, and oh, I think 9-3 and three would be... But I'm not saying 9-3, and three, I'm saying all the way through the postseason. So you can't just be 9-3. and three. Okay. So if you were nine, okay, well nine wins, nine wins would be nine bad. wins would be bad. Yeah, ten for, wins for me. Under even if it's ten and three, you're pretty. It's pretty understandable. Yeah, ten and three would be frustrating, but still something to build on. Yeah, yeah. Considering last year, um, yeah, I, yeah. Connor yeah. says anything. Ten, ten's sh- about as low. Connor said anything short of fifteen, and that was disappointing. <laughs> I just kidding. Um, didn't ask him that question. So. We asked, we made a poll today and asked what the, the toughest remaining game on the schedule is. 81% agreed with, I think, all of our pick, which is Kansas. Uh, at least on paper right now, Kansas looks to be the most difficult. Uh, West Virginia was next, and then Oklahoma State, followed by other. Other might have gotten a vote or two, very, very little. Um, now, then again, things can change, and you could have an Oklahoma State that rises up and gets their act together and all of a sudden they're a contender and, and they're the, you know, going to Stillwater is, is the most difficult game if Kansas proves to not be very tough. Um, West Virginia wouldn't surprise me either. The others would tend to surprise me if they're the most difficult. If they're difficult at all, that actually would surprise me. Any thoughts on that? No, I mean, I, Kansas was my vote. Um, if we went up and handled Kansas, which we'll know soon because that's the second. Yeah, it's you know, coming fast. We got UCF after the bye week and then at Kansas and then at Oklahoma State. Um, that's It's all right there in the next three weeks, essentially. Um, we get West Virginia at home. The the trip to BYU, they're 4-1 and one right now, which is probably better than we would have assumed at this point. Um, but TCU is a disappointment. That was a game when I said nine and three at the beginning of the season that 
I kind of had it could be a tough game, even though it was at home. Um, a team that went to the national championship game last year, they did lose their quarterback and some skill position players to the NFL. But it's still, you would think, a team that relied on a bunch of transfers, so we didn't really know how they were going to be coming into this season, and they've just been okay. So that one should is I'm not as worried about now. Fully healthy, obviously. Yeah, I think BYU is kind of a tricky game because we don't know really what they are. And if they rattle off a couple of wins here soon, that game is easily going to look like a much more dangerous game than, than previously thought. Yeah, that's that. That could. But be that's a real just sleeper. a wait and see. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just got to see yeah, what I mean, they do. They could be eight and three at that point, or something like like mm-hmm. that, or eight and two. Could be a trap game for sure. Yeah, definitely a trap opportunity. Well, we made some predictions for the college football playoff at the beginning of the season, and I want to go back to those and see if we want to make any changes to them. I want to change one of mine. I had predicted that the playoff teams would be Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and Ohio State. Um, And I am going to put OU in there. I think it's something that's easily fair to do, even if you don't believe the 71% that ESPN is projecting. They're they're definitely one of the most likely teams to make the playoff. And I look at that mix of teams, who am I going to take out, uh, and am I going to swap any others? I'm going to take Ohio State out. I'm not as impressed by Ohio State as... I would need to be to believe that they're going to get it done. I think they're going to face a very difficult game against Michigan in Ann Arbor. So I'm going to put OU in there. I'm going to keep Georgia, Michigan, and Florida State. Florida State's the iffy one. I wanted to put Washington. However, um, the Pac-12, I think, is going to eat itself alive. I think there's going to be a lot of cannibalization there. And you're going to see maybe a struggle to have a one-loss team win that conference. You might have a two-loss team win that conference. So Florida State's schedule is a little lighter. They only have to beat one of the two top teams in their conference in the championship game. If we looked at that correctly, they don't play Louisville, and they uh, don't play, who's the other team? I'm blanking on it, undefeated in the ACC. North Carolina. North Carolina in the regular season. So that's going to be my four. Connor, who had Clemson, OU, good for him, USC and Georgia, is changing to leaving OU and changing the other three out. He's got Michigan, Oregon, and Florida State. So he's siding with me on the He's leaving State. the SEC out? He's leaving the SEC out. Wow. SEC misses the playoff. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> OU's representing. OU represents, yeah. <laughs> what do you, so, Lucas, you had Georgia, Michigan, Clemson, and Kansas State. I know you're going to make some changes. Yeah. I'm going to keep Georgia and Michigan in there. I think Florida State takes the spot of Clemson and then man it's a real toss-up between the Big 12 championship winner and the Pac-12 championship um a lot's gonna be riding on this Oregon Washington game I I think if Oregon pulls it out against Washington I don't see them losing to anybody else on their schedule um so I'm gonna say I'm going to say Georgia, Florida State, Michigan, and Oregon. God. The other OU. <laughs> U of O. All right, Jay, you had LSU, Clemson, Washington, and Penn State. Now, I did go out on a limb. I wanted to just be different. So I kind of threw some different teams. You are different. 
Um, let's keep, you know, just for fun, let's keep Penn State. Let's keep, I think, I, I, I think Georgia's going to make it. Uh, let's, let's go with Penn State, Georgia. I'm not sold on Florida State. I'm just, I don't know if I'm sold on anyone from the ACC. You're definitely not sold on Clemson. So they're no. out. I'll, I'll replace it with, I'll, I'll put OU in. I'm there. Over I need LSU? The, I need the good vibes. No, I'm putting Georgia in over LSU. Okay. Who's out? Washington? And OU's in? I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I might leave an ACC team out. I just, I don't know. You don't, don't have know an ACC. Math, I don't know if the math works. I don't know if the ACC we can, can only have be left teams, out. So. But I'm trying to think if they can be left out. Because the only three really good teams don't even play each other. So. Yeah, they got to slip up somehow, don't right. they? I'll, I'll, I'm kind of like you. I think, I think the Pac-12 might do a little cannibalization. So I'll keep Florida. I'll do Florida State. OU, Florida State. Penn State, Georgia. All right. So LSU is out. Clemson's out. Washington's out. Penn State, Georgia, OU, Florida State. So Florida State's the only one that we all have in. So that's interesting. And I think that's good logic, at, at least on the conferences, that it's very likely the ACC gets a team in. So interesting that the two conferences, um, or the three conferences, really, that have been give me, so decimated. Give me North Carolina. Florida State's out. Florida State's out. They're North Carolina's out. in. North Carolina's in. <laughs> Mac Brown is back. Before so, Texas. Before Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's something I would love to see. I would absolutely love if Mac, <laughs> Mac Brown made a playoff at North Carolina before Texas did. Yep, that would be that great. That would be phenomenal. So <clears throat> that's interesting because we, I was starting to say that we've, we've got the three conferences that have been sort of decimated by – all of the conference realignment, they're the most likely conferences to put somebody in, it seems like. The ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12. Um, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty interesting. Well, there's one more thing we need to predict, and that would be locks of the week. The realest deal, locks of the week. So, locks of the week, I, I need to pull it up. My apologies, I didn't, I didn't get it pulled up to see how we did and how we've done to date. I'll pull that up. Real quickly, though, it hasn't been splendid still. Some of us still haven't turned it around, and I'm referring to myself. So last week, I was 1-2. and two. Connor was 2-1. and one. Lucas and Jay were also 1-2. and two. We are 51% as a team, mm. 42 and 41 with one push. Guys, we got to get this going. It's, it's, midway, it's midway through... This season, we've got to get this turned around. I'm still I'm, over 50%. <clears throat> you are, yeah. Yeah, you're doing good. You're doing good. Trying to hold you up. I appreciate it, but you, I don't need your help anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to walk on my own now because I've got it figured out. i got my, my algorithms. I fired my entire analytics team, turned it over, got a new group of nerds working on this. So here we go with my locks of the week. I've got Duke giving three and a half to NC State. I've got Penn State giving 41.5 to UMass. That's a bunch of points, and they're going to score a bunch of points. And i got Tennessee giving three to Texas A&M. 
Connor. Nope, Connor gets to go last because he didn't show up. Is going last. I've got West Virginia minus two and a half over Houston. That line is unusual because Houston has not played that well. West Virginia <laughs> has looked fairly decent. Their only loss is to Penn State, right? I think that's right. Um, it is on the road in Houston, but that's not a tough place to play. Nobody goes to those games. Um, so I got West Virginia minus two and a half in that one. Okay. I've got North Carolina minus three and a half over Miami. Um, North Carolina surprised me with how bad they beat Syracuse last week. And that's obviously a, a little bit of a rivalry game here in the last few years, but I like UNC minus three and a half. And then I'm going to go with Coach Prime, Colorado minus 11 and a half against Stanford on a Friday night. <laughs> so I've got a Thursday night game, a Friday night game, and a Saturday night game. Jay, hey, who you got? All right, I also saw the line in the West Virginia-Houston game, and it just didn't look right. I don't know. That's that's all I could say about it. So I'm also taking West Virginia minus 2.5. I'm going to go with um, – I'm going to go Kansas. Is that down to 3 or is it 3.5? Three, three. 3. Kansas minus 3 against Oklahoma State – uh, Oklahoma State played better than anyone thought they would against Kansas State, but that's not really who they are. Where's that game at? Uh, Stillwater. Stillwater, okay. yeah. And my last one is going to be um, Syracuse. Syracuse yeah. plus 17 and a half against a Florida State team that. No. Yeah. Against Florida State? Yeah, it's Syracuse against okay. Florida State. I wrote it down wrong. Um, Florida State's just, they're good, but they haven't just been killing people. Like, it was way too close to Boston College. Um, I don't know. I think 17 and a half is just too many points. Well, Connor has SMU given 11 and a half to East Carolina. Iowa State getting four and a half against Cincinnati. And he likes UNC giving three and a half to Miami. So, some pretty similar picks in some cases. I think I think we got an opportunity here to to turn this around from the back half of the season on, get some strong victories for those out there following us in the betting markets. Is there a chance that Iowa State is maybe the third best team in the Big Twelve? I hope so because we beat them handily. I don't know. They, look, I mean, this point, they looked got, pretty good last week. You got a 4-1 West Virginia and a 4-1 BYU. Um, I don't know if Iowa State is the third best team or not. I don't, I don't, I don't think they could be. It, I think it's, it's got to be Kansas. Well, Kansas State. I don't think Kansas State's that good. You can't lose OSU and be the third best team in the conference. Yeah, true. not possible. Even though we don't play them this year. So, let's look at something else that's now on the radar screen. It's something that I bet on way early in the preseason, and that is I put a little money, sprinkled a little money on Dylan Gabriel to win the Heisman. And his odds have shot up considerably from when I made that bet. What kind of odds did you get on that? I got 25 to 1. And now he's, I think, if I remember, it might have been 30 to 1, actually. And now it's 15 to 1. He's fourth in the Heisman in the betting markets. Penix is now number one, 
followed closely by Caleb Williams. It, he it's three to one, and, and Caleb's like three and a half to one, and then Bo Nix is number three, and he's at like six or seven or something. I'd have to look. So there's a little bit of a gap, obviously, and I think it would be a long shot, a big long shot for Dylan Gabriel to actually earn the Heisman. But stranger things have happened, as they say. I think he's on pace for 4,200 yards and 43 touchdowns, Dylan. And a great completion percentage. What has he got? Two interceptions? Uh-huh. Through six games. Yeah, I think so it would be a him, great ratio. That only give him two more interceptions and mm-hmm. one fumble. So he did, he's on pace for six turnovers for the season, which would be phenomenal. That would be phenomenal. So you might see a little bit out west of, again, cannibalization, where you've got those three guys are all in the same conference. They're going to eat up some of that vote out there. And you might get some SEC bias for Gabriel that they look at him as one of their own, and you get some votes in that quadrant of the country. I don't know. He may get on TV a lot more than those other guys. It might work out in a way that he can rise up and, and be competitive there. I don't know. What do you guys think? As much as I hate to say it, I think Caleb Williams may be the best college football player, I've, best college quarterback I've ever seen. Oh, dear crazy. Uh, You're crazy. The guy has every single tool you could ask for. He doesn't throw the ball as well as quite a few different quarterbacks we've seen. As a total in the package, last five years. As a total package, he has the arm strength. He can evade anybody in the pocket. His he, pocket presence he, is his pocket his presence. Pocket presence they is have a phenomenal. horrific yeah. offensive line. I mean, <clears throat> horrific. And he takes a bunch of sacks that aren't his fault. But he still makes so many plays by stepping up a couple steps into the pocket and throwing off his back foot 40 yards downfield to a wide receiver that's just completely wide open because they're playing backyard football a lot of times. And then as much as he dislikes running, when he wants to, it seems like he can get 10 to 15 yards at will. And then he's got a lot of he's very heady. presence heady about like and he got that touchdown against Arizona. Um, or was it the two-point conversion against Arizona at the end where he just just gets the ball right yeah. where it needs to be? He's so, going out of bounds, but the whole, yeah. I mean, we all love Baker. Baker's awesome. Kyler. Both Jaylen better passers Hurts. than Caleb Williams. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't oh, think I so. definitely think so. This would, be a, this would be a good debate to have. It would be a good debate to have. And as, like I said, I don't want it to be this way. But for total package, like, I mean, he's obviously got the height on Kyler. He doesn't have the speed. I would say similar arm strength and not accurate. He's accuracy. Like, he's like we said last pretty, year, pretty though. Close. He's a better Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'd and, agree with that. I mean, so. I, I think that as he goes up against defenses that are actual real defenses, and then the coming weeks we'll see and it learn will be, a lot. It will be tough. We'll learn a lot. And when he was at OU, we talked a lot about his 50-50 ball. He doesn't really have to throw those now because their skill position players at wide receiver are – they're open all the time, and they've scored. They're averaging over fifty points a season against not very good teams. A game, I, I realize, it. yeah, a game, which I realize they're not playing that great a competition. But to my eyes, he looks like the best quarterback I've I've seen in person for sure. And I love and Kyler. I think up until that point was the best I'd ever seen. I think Kyler had a second college season as a starting quarterback that would be an awesome debate between the two yeah like that could be the case 
I think we need more information to rule on it because tell me a big game that Caleb has won. OU Texas? What else? Um, OU Oregon? Yeah. Isn't that a big game? <laughs> I mean, he... And, but I'm not picking him to win the Heisman because I think that they're going to lose two to three more games before the season's over. They've got at Washington, they've got Oregon, they've got UCLA, they've got Notre Dame. I don't think they'll get through that unscathed, and they'll have two to three more losses, which most of the time that's not going to do do you for a Heisman. Also, winning the previous year, Archie Griffin's the only back-to-back winner and only two-time winner in 19, what was that, 76-77? Uh, 75-76. 75-76. So I think all the people that vote, as much as they think Caleb is incredible, may just hold that against him since he's already won one. But out, I, I don't know. I think the fact they're going to have two or three losses and maybe more is going to yeah. be held Yeah, like I said, them. I don't think he'll win it. But I don't have confidence in That's part in of my Nicks. problem about the whole award, though. Yeah. Like, if, if Dylan Gabriel were to somehow win the Heisman Trophy this year, it would be based off of how valuable he is to his team and how unlikely it was maybe for his team to be where it's at. Yeah. But he's not the best player. Flat out. Not flat out close. in the country. No way. So that would be, in a weird way, disappointing for me in, I guess, the award process. Now that's how that whole process... That, that award is so screwed up yeah, in general. exactly. Because it, that's oh, the, for the last 20 years, it's gone to one of the best players no, the on best, one of yeah. the best teams. Usually quarterback Usually on the quarterback, best team. And, Sometimes and running back. And very weighted towards lots of stats, yeah. Yeah. which is very much in Caleb's favor because the guy's having to play four-plus quarters every yeah. game. Oh, and he's, yeah. he's way ahead of his pace of last year. Yeah. But he has played the first half of the season has been much easier than the second half is going to be. Well, easier in terms of competition, yes. harder in the fact that he's had to play, like we said, four quarters plus overtimes. But so, he's also cranking up stats yeah. against the Arizonas yeah. and the yeah. Arizona teams. They, all, they're barely beating. They're playing they triple overtime. Work against yeah. him. Yeah. It's just stats that are meaningless stats. But he's it also, doesn't work against him because it's not his fault he's that they're absolutely lo- that they're carrying that football team. Yeah. Yeah, he the is. defense is so but bad at the same that he's time, having to Yeah, I, 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 I agree. But it's also, it's not a fair comparison because this guy gets so many at-bats. Yeah, he's going to get a lot of home runs. It's just normal. It's, it, it's natural. He is one of the best players. Of course he's going to get these stats. So we need to kind of normalize this for any level of competition. I do think that's what we'll see in the coming weeks. And I will agree, if they can go through the schedule and lose just one game, Everything else being the way we think it would go to have that happen, he's a shoe-in for the Heisman. But I don't think anything close to that's going to happen, and I think there'll be a come-down-to-earth on all of it, and I still am not convinced that he is that great of a passer. I think he'll be invited to New York but won't win because of the losses. But I also don't see another player in the country. I don't think Bo Nix is great. Penix is having a good year. They really haven't played anybody, so there's chances that he comes down with one or two losses. You know, yep. um, Bowers at tight end at George is getting a lot of hype, but he's 
fairly uncoverable. I mean, it's almost like Travis Kelsey. Zero percent chance the tight end wins the Heisman. Yeah, zero yeah. percent chance the tight end wins it. There's no amazing running backs this nope. year. Um, so this is probably the most up in the air Heisman I can think of in a long time. Uh, defensive guy. I mean, what if Stutzman finishes with 150 tackles and three interceptions for touchdowns? I mean, he, he'll win the Budkus. Yeah. But will he? Will he get an invite to to New York? Who knows? He might. We've had Bosworth did, Roy Williams did. I don't think any other OU defensive guys did. I don't but think Roy got to go to New York. Did he not? No, he was, was in the top. I think he four, finished fifth, fifth or sixth. Fifth? Yeah. Okay. I think that was. He was close. Yeah. He was close, but I don't think he got invited. Well. It is a tight race, and I think it'll get tighter because of the competition that so many teams are going to face in the back half of the schedule, which works to Dylan Gabriel's advantage. As far as we look at it on paper, the only thing that would work to his disadvantage is, back to the thing I said at the top of the hour, if we can take care of business and get him off the field, he won't have the stats as far as the number of touchdowns, the number of yards that so many naive voters, I'm going to call them ignorant voters, and ignorant fans just get so enamored with that he won't have that going for him. But his his efficiency will be there for sure. But the conference challenge hurts him too. If it turns out that OU and Texas really are the only two yeah. really good teams in the conference and everybody else has <laughs> yeah. also ran, that will hurt him because we didn't have a big uh, out-of-conference win against anybody. Yeah, I would say the only Big 12 person that had a chance to truly win the Heisman was Ewers. Yeah. So you and, don't give Gabriel a chance? Oh, I think he's still got a chance. He's a chance, yeah. but I, no. I, the Heisman committee, I, I mean, the Heisman voters. Him going to New York would be, I mean, absolutely fantastic for him. I do not think he can win it. The I Heisman just voters don't. love a good story. They do. And a, a kid without the measurables from the state of Hawaii. Overcame injuries. Going across the country to UCF and lighting it up there. He's, Oklahoma quarterback like fatigue, thirteenth all time in the NCAA. Or but something they like, like that. the story, I think, and that and the story's growing as the media turns on Lincoln Riley. The whole narrative's changing. Yep, we're not the only ones who think we won the divorce. I think that the rest of the nation is looking at it that way too. So y- you might have some some apathy towards the Lincoln factor as well, and that may rob, rob some votes away from Caleb. That, may go Gabriel's way that way. I mean, he'll get some of the West votes because there'll be people in California and Hawaii and stuff that, that'll that see that. And then if he finishes in the top 10 all-time NCAA passing yards or something like that, I mean, who knows? I, I think he's 13th if I remember seeing that stat right Yeah, he's pretty week. high. So, I mean, he's got six more games. And it's not a career award, and yet yeah. they love the career numbers. Yeah. And the and the storyline. And the storyline. He yeah. gets a, he takes a picture with the lay on, you know, Marcus Mariota. That was a big mm-hmm. Hawaii deal when he won the Heisman. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll show up to the ceremony with in his suit with the lay on and talk about his, you know, how he grew up over there and all this other kind of stuff. And Heisman Heisman voters love that kind of stuff. So if, if he can have a big game against Texas and beat them again, that really helps a lot. That's right before the vote would come out. That could be really strong for him as well. So, yeah, I think there's definitely an opportunity. That would be exciting. That It's going to be an exciting back half of the year for sure to see what OU can actually accomplish. It's, to me, looking forward to it as a fan, I'm just super excited to think we're going in now with confidence and with a little bit of, wow, we've accomplished a lot and now we can accomplish a lot. I feel like the team's attitude is in a great place for that too. 
It's got to be stronger because of the win against Texas. You know, it didn't take a lot to lose that game. We still should have come out of it if we lost with a lot of confidence and we're building, things are in the right direction. But when you win, it is such a difference maker. And I think it's going to be a difference maker in the right way. Back to what we were saying before, where we're very strong, but we know that we've got a lot we still have to go out there and achieve. We don't feel like we've just... If, if you were at a lesser program, you, you would feel like you've done everything that you were going to do. You'd be self-satisfied with it. I don't think we're going to be satisfied anywhere close. In 2000, I remember I wasn't satisfied or wasn't to a point I was going to be satisfied until we got to the national title. And I desperately wanted to win that game, but I told myself, I'm going to be happy with this season even if we lose tonight to Florida State. But we didn't. We won. And I think the team's attitude is going to be much like that, where they want to go out and they want to finish strong and win everything that they can win. I think one thing we have in our favor versus a, a Texas rematch, them being in year three of their head coach and we're just in year two, both teams will have growth from here on out, but I think we have more room to improve than they do. And so with us coming out on top, this early in the season, I, I mean, I still think our defense has oh, yeah. much further to go than the Texas team does. Like, they didn't play their best. We didn't play our best. But I think we're on a little bit steeper of a, 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 trajectory. a trajectory than they are. I do, too. I think so, too. And I think our aspirations are, are, are higher. And that's just traditionally how it's been between OU and Texas. They get self-satisfied with what I would say is mediocre success. They're okay with greatness. We want elite excellence. And that's the difference between the two fan bases. I think that's the difference between the two programs. And honestly, I think it's something that we bring to it today with Brent Venables that I didn't see at the time, but I think we were lacking under Riley. I think he was satisfied with where they were. I think he was happy with where they were. I don't think he saw it. And that's what USC fans are pissed about today. He doesn't see it. He just spent... What was it in that press conference forever defending his defense, acting like everything's okay it's and it's fixable. getting better? It's all fixable. As 109th They're close. ranked defense in the country, and he just doesn't see a problem with it. He didn't know what the media is. You know, what are they so upset about? To me, it's, it's, it's a big difference in attitude, and I think our attitude is great. Um, I'm just super excited, super pumped. What else do you guys have? Anything else? We're just ready for the next football game, aren't we? We get to watch a bunch of football this weekend with no stress. It's going to be no stress weekend. We get to hate watch uh, Notre Dame-USC. Yep. We're going to watch the, the Washington-Oregon game with interest. A lot of other top 25 matchups. that There will be a lot of those that are interesting. Hopefully they're good games, but it's going to be funny. You'll watch, uh, write this down and look back in three or four or five weeks. We'll look back at this week and say, well, those were really epic or, or pivotal games that we didn't appreciate at the time, but they changed the trajectory for everything. It could be somebody right now ranked, you know, somewhere in the 10, 11, 13 uh, ranking that all of a sudden they lost or they won, and it was a, a very different season for them and for the rest of the country as a result. Uh, I believe in this team. I think the team believes in themselves. And what I like about it is not only do they believe, but we're hungry. I think we're hungry for more. I'm ready for it. Well, until then, Boomer Sooner. Sooner.